And welcome back. You're tuned in to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are broadcasting live from the University of California campus in Irvine. We're streaming on the web at KUCI.org. We are always available via podcast, both on KUCI's website as well as Kimberly Martin's website. And uh, I think we're also on uh, iTunes. Uh, Kimberly usually podcasts on iTunes. I'm your guest host, Marie Stone. Kimberly Martin is out gallivanting around France this summer, but I'm always excited and happy to be in her chair. This show is an informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. The guests on this show are all people who serve their community in a meaningful way. And we are in the high season of summer, which means a lot of things around Orange County. But one of the things it means uh, the most are the art festivals in Laguna Beach, which are in full swing right now. If you haven't stopped by the Laguna Beach Festival of Arts and the Pageant of the Masters, they are um, have undergone a giant facelift. They are gorgeous. The grounds are gorgeous. They're celebrating their 85th anniversary this year. So I'm very pleased to welcome Ron Morissette, Exhibitions Director at the Laguna Beach Festival of Arts. We're going to chat about all things festival-related, uh, some history, some stories, some lizards, uh, if you are an artist, an aspiring artist, we're going to give you information on all that. So uh, on with the show. Ron, welcome. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Ah, I, I love having you. I've been looking forward to this for a while, so this is fun. Um, so I didn't give you a, a great introduction. I'm going to let you do that and sort of talk about um, who you are, your background, and, and how you got, got into the festival. Sure. So this is my fifth summer at the Festival of Arts. Um, started in 2013 there. And a little background on me, born and raised in the Los Angeles area in the South Bay. And then I worked for Disney for 12 years and worked in entertainment there, started in an hourly role and worked my way up, which I'm sure many UCI students are um, traipsing over there for their summer jobs. And Did you wear the costume? I cannot disclose that information. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) You'd have to kill me. Yes. (laughs) But I was a character manager, and I did... uh, I was friends with the characters. That was one of my first jobs there. Um, So I did that, and then in 2008, I got married to my lovely wife, Kelly, and we decided to try exploring and living elsewhere, and we moved to Pennsylvania, worked at a theater there for two years. And then I took a job with Holland America Cruise Line, and we actually lived on board cruise ships for about three years. Yep. Wow. So we saw 45-plus countries through that. And then... What did you do for them? I was an entertainment technical manager. So on a ship, you have the cruise director, who's like the host, and they would head up the entertainment department. And then I was in charge of all the technicians and the dancers and singers and... Uh, we would have guest performers come on, and I would onboard them, and then also stage manage the shows that we had on the ship, as well as making sure the music was going and things like that would happen. You're like Julie McCoy's assistant. Yes. That's, that's cool. That's exactly it. <laughs> and uh, then in 2013, um, the Festival of Arts had an opening for their exhibits director, and I threw my name in the hat, and after quite an extensive process um they offered me the position and i've been there since that is so cool that is so cool yeah and uh so talk a little bit about what what led up to the uh big festival makeover i don't know if some of our listeners have been down there but it looks completely different than it's looked and every year i say this place kind of needs a little bit of sprucing up so 
Um, maybe you can walk us through kind of how that decision got made. And sure. So um, actually, I'll go back a little bit with the history of the festival because that yeah. sort of leads up to it. Okay. Um, so we're going way back in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Uh, Laguna Beach started to attract hundreds of artists and also surfers um, and beachgoers. And the area uh, gained a reputation as an artist colony in the early 1900s. And in the early 1900s, you could actually drive your car right up to Main Beach <laughs> with no parking or traffic issues whatsoever. And That's crazy right there. <laughs> that it sounds impossible. <laughs> and um, enjoy the beach and the beauty that is Laguna. Well, in the 30s, uh, the Great Depression hit the artists pretty strong because people's expendable income disappeared. And in 1932, uh, the Laguna Beach Art Association decided to hold its first Festival of Arts. And that was in relation to the Summer Olympics being in Los Angeles, and they thought that they would market themselves to the tourists that were coming in for the Olympic Games in 1932. Oh. The next year, 1933, there was an artist, Lolita Perrine, and she created uh, what she called a living picture show, and she called it the Spirit of the Masters. And basically what she did is she got the artists that were involved in the Festival of Arts, and they would dress up and paint their faces to look like famous works of art, and they paraded around town, and then they had a giant frame at the end, and people would stand in front of it, and they took a picture. And then... Two years later, Roy Rapp, who's considered the father of the pageant of the Masters, he expanded the spirit of the Masters into a full show. And in 1936, uh, they renamed that production the pageant of the Masters. Wow. Um, the group that was in Laguna also helped form the city of Laguna Beach in the late 1920s. And the city just celebrated its 90th anniversary. And this year, the festival is celebrating its 85th anniversary as an organization. Yeah, that was crazy to me that the the, the pageant and the Festival of Arts are, are pretty much the same age as the city, that they kind of grew, you know. Yeah, when you drive into Laguna Beach from any end, you there are signs that say Laguna Beach, home of the Festival of Arts and Pageant of the Masters. And that's because of that artist colony helping to form what is the city. That's cool. Um, the... Artists then put on their Festival of Arts in a number of spots. If you've ever been to the Las Brisas restaurant in Laguna Beach, if you're in the parking lot, that is actually the first location of the very first Festival of Arts. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Uh, w one fun thing from that is in 1932, the very first painting that was sold there was called The Flower Stalls by Virginia Woolley. And we were donated that painting, so we actually have it in our art collection, um, which is kind of neat. If you go to the grounds now, uh, the festival was first there in 1941. Uh, and then in, we'll say, the mid-60s, there was a renovation. Uh, people have seen that sort of archway look for a number of years at the Festival of Arts. That was our main entrance. Uh, and that stayed that way until... Two years ago when we redid our front facade mm -hmm. and then this year doing our full grounds plan. In the 60s, uh, 1965, there was a group of artists that didn't like the fact that the Festival of Arts was a juried show. So they splintered off. Yes, that's a pun. Um, and then <laughs> they formed the Sawdust Festival, 
which is a very popular show in Laguna Beach. And then a year later, there was a group that didn't like the fact that the Sawdust Festival had a lottery system. So then they sprung off and they started what is the Art Affair. And those three shows, the Festival of Arts, the Sawdust Festival, and the Art Affair are all still there today, although we get along a lot better than they did back in the 60s. That's funny. Um, so the the Sawdust is not a juried show, but it's a lottery show? Is that the Sawdust works? Festival, you have to be a resident of Laguna Beach. Okay. And then if you want to be in the Sawdust Festival, it is a lottery. And the more... The, the You get a lottery ticket for however many years you've been in the show. Gotcha. And they basically choose spots that way. So the longer you've been in it, the better your odds. Of right. There is a group that's been in so long that they just get in get automatically. In. Um, uh, in 2000, I should mention, there was an attempt to move the festival and the pageant to San Clemente. And that was kiboshed by the membership who voted out the board of directors at the time. And a new board came in. And then... In 2014, we redid our front facade, and then the new grounds actually were supposed to debut in 2015, but we decided to hold off due to El Nino, which never came, and then came with a flourish this year. Perfect. Um, Yep, great timing, but we got it finished, and now if you head down to Laguna Beach, you can see our brand new grounds. It's a $10 million renovation of the grounds, and it is completely stunning stunning it is completely stunning um so who was responsible for kind of the design and and overall look of the new facility is that the 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 city or is that you guys Uh, that would be us the um there was a a study i guess about six years ago plus about looking at redoing our grounds and a main driving force was uh, being more disability friendly with the American with Disabilities Act because the grounds were last redone in the 60s so we were nothing close to any compliant if you had a wheelchair or needed mobility assist in any way it was pretty difficult to get from our front entryway to the back to the pageant uh, due to the height difference Mm -hmm. so a main driving force was creating a pathway that was at a proper grade to accommodate Um, our patrons to come in and comply with all of the ADA rules and requirements. We hired Bauer Architect, which is in Newport Beach, Mm. and they did the design for our front facade and also for our grounds. Um, A big change is that our entertainment stage used to be in the center. We are sort of a big donut. And now the entertainment stage is to the side. But a big reason for that is we have this meandering path that goes from the entryway up to the bowl entrance. And that's so that that can accommodate that wheelchair grade that's needed. It's actually it's interesting that you should say that because I have noticed I've spent a lot of time there this summer. There are a lot of wheelchairs this year. And I don't remember that many wheelchairs in prior years. And I don't know if if that's true or false, I have nothing but anecdotal like observations, but I've noticed a lot of walkers and wheelchairs and I was thinking maybe that's part of it, that it is now easier on people where it wasn't before. That so. that could be. Another thing is that a lot of people would come into the old grounds and they would make a sharp left head straight up to the pageant and sometimes oh, yeah. you never really see them. And now there's a main walkway down the middle so a lot of people are seen. We're also very close to Laguna Woods, which mm-hmm. will bring bus groups in and we'll have bus groups from elsewhere as 
uh, come in as well. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, it is. It's just gorgeous. So the new um, the new features look very sustainable. I mean, they look very. Um, We're very eco friendly. We're you. very the green. <laughs> uh, there is. We have permeable concrete, which basically, I think they said it's something like 88 or 90% of any rainwater gets recaptured wow. into the ground there. And that's because the, the concrete in most of our walkways is porous. And we have a new uh, roofing structure, and that diverts the water to those porous concrete areas so that a lot of that water gets recaptured. And our front facade has a rammed earth wall. Uh, a lot of the design was to match the canyon. So a lot of the landscaping is native plants that match the canyon. Um, there were two trees that were sick. And so during the construction, they had to be removed, but those were replaced. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we also have a back hillside. And over the years, I think we've planted over 100 oak trees on that back hill. Um, but it is very environmentally friendly and matches up with our canyon uh, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so pretty. Uh, my guest today is Ron Morissette. He is the exhibition director at the Laguna Beach Festival of Arts. We are talking all about the new structure and Festival of Arts in general. You're tuned in to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Um, so are there as many artists, uh, there this year as there have been in years past? Is it in accommodating years, the same amount? Yes. So in years past, the numbers actually fluctuated prior to my time there. Um, at some point that stabilized and it's been at 140 artists at least for the last 10 years or so. And it's still accommodating the same number of artists today. We're a juried show and how that works is um, basically if you're interested in being an artist in the show, you would submit three, pe three pieces digitally. And then we have a seven-panel jury. There's six jurors and one alternate. And you go through one digital round. If you pass that round, then you bring in three pieces of art. And then those pieces are scored. The number of spaces open is decided during the summer. During the summer, all of the artists are juried by that jury, and they're scored. And if you're in the top two-thirds of scores, you're invited back to the next summer without having to go through the jury process again. And if you're in that bottom third, you go in with everybody else who's trying to get into the show. So generally speaking, there are 98 artists who are invited back. And if all of them take that opportunity, then there's 42 spaces that are open. There are some oh. quirks, like we'll allow artists who've been in the show for over five years to sabbatical. Mm. And so we'll hold them a place. So that can affect the number. But we also have a number of artists that move away or they don't want to do the show or just life happens and then they drop out. Um, and our show is open to all Orange County residents that are artists mm -hmm. that are interested in being in the show. Um, with the three shows, you have the Sawdust, which is Laguna Beach residents. Our show is Orange County. And then the Art Affair does not have any um, residency requirement. Also, the our show, we're a nonprofit organization. And uh, the Sawdust is also a nonprofit organization. The Art Affair is a for-profit organization. 
Um, but you have, with us being a nonprofit, and we're very blessed to have the pageant, and we can sell tickets to the pageant, so that helps sustain us. So um, our fees are the lowest pretty much anywhere for a two-month show, um, and we really try to support our artists. So cool. The uh, gift store is really cool this year. I can't remember... I don't know if I walked in there before, but it, it just looks very professional. It looks like a real gift store. It before does. it was sort of an afterthought, and um, then it had its own little space, and when we redid the front, it was sort of shoved to the side again. But now it, we look more like a museum store right. um, than anything else. Right. I've purchased a lot of stuff. This festival is costing me a lot of money this year because <laughs> so far I've bought art. I've spent a lot of money in the gift store, and, of course, I'm going broke in the restaurant and the wine bar. So. There you go. Uh, yeah. I'm single-handedly supporting the festival. The and we thank you for that. Um, and in terms of uh, kind of type of art, so you've got sculpture, you've got you've got stuff in there that I didn't even know how and you would do. I didn't know existed. Yeah. So we have no restriction on medium, which many shows do. Um, but we allow jewelry, for example, as long as it is. Um, what would be considered more designer or couture jewelry. Um, we have a, an artist who works exclusively in recycled materials, Mariana Nelson. And her first year in, she did these, I don't even know how to describe them. They're, they're almost um, like mandalas, but not at all. Uh, she would take pieces of garbage or tr litter she would find and then wrap them in string or twine that was being tossed out and she would create all these colorful little balls and then she placed them together in these design patterns um, that was her first year and then her second year then she started to expand her horizons a little bit she started wrapping um, starbucks mugs and other things and people were just going crazy for them she takes old coffee lids and melts them into forms to make flowers and things that look like moss and fungus and all sorts oh. of neat stuff. And this year, she's gone around and she's taking plastic bags and caution tape and anything plastic. And she basically weaves them into different structures and forms. Um, and that's very unique. I haven't seen that anywhere else. But we have her. We have um, Shelly Rap Evans creates these things she calls spirit keepers and they look for lack of better term like little dolls um, but they're very elaborate very unique we have a duet which is Betty Haight and Stephanie Cunningham and they are two painters who paint the same painting um, and how that works is they decide on a color palette Betty uses a palette knife and creates figurative paintings and Stephanie uses a brush and creates these landscapes. And then they mold them together. They pick canvases that match up. And then they'll have what they call date night and find matching pairs. And then Stephanie is a retired art teacher. And so she creates a little story about each painting. And then um, they combine them together to create one piece. So we have quite a variety of things. There's giant steel sculptures and tiny wooden sculptures. We have one artist, Larry Marley. He's a wood turner. So Larry creates these vases and bowls, but he has a very quirky side to him. So now he's created dolphins and, for you physics fans, these gravity wells that are like Rube Goldberg extravaganza pieces. 
and little fish and fans and all sorts of stuff. And he's definitely a crowd favorite, just the whimsical side of things. And he's funny. He is funny and very punny. <laughs> very um, punny. <laughs> and he has uh, a an inhabitant for his booth. Uh, he's created a little mouse door at the bottom of his booth, and it dances for you if you go and find him. He's near the our art center. Um which I can mention we have an art center with three art workshops. They are free to the public, um, except our ceramics workshop does have a fee um, to purchase the clay for the pots. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have a mixed media booth, and that project changes every day. Then we also have a printmaking booth, and you can come in and create a relief print there. That's new, right? I don't remember... Uh, we've had that, but it was tucked yeah. away in the corner, and now it's more prominent near the um, pageant entry. Yeah, now you can't miss it. Yeah, you can't miss that. I didn't even that. know that was there. And That's you can't miss our junior art program also. So we have a junior art exhibit. As soon as you come in, it's on the right, and it features 15 to 20 students from each grade in Orange County. We work with the Orange County Department of Education. They have a program called Imagination Celebration put on a show at South Coast Plaza called the Thousand Piece Show. And then we choose the top 15 or so students from each grade and showcase them at the Festival of Arts. Uh, we'll actually be having a reception for that this Sunday at 11 a.m. And everybody's welcome to come check that out. And Sunday is also our Family Art Day. And uh, Family Art Day starts at noon and lasts until 3 o'clock. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that in a little bit too, because there there's so much stuff going on. I didn't realize, and it, I assume this is true, but has there always been concerts every single night? The concerts are fairly new. Um, maybe in the last six or seven years, our director of special events and membership, Susan Davis, started with trying to bring in groups that would appeal to art lovers and art patrons, and so at first it was primarily jazz groups. Um, and now that has expanded, but it really brings a livelihood to the grounds um, in what would be quieter times without them. So we have uh, on Saturdays, uh, probably every other Saturday, we have a, a, a larger name act that comes in. And Thursday nights tend to be very popular jazz artists as well. Um, but then we also have folk music and last night there was a willie nelson impersonator who you would swear was I willie nelson thought he was willie nelson people double take all the time um i really thought i mean he looks like he and he does the whole act as though he is willie nelson so he walks around saying i wrote this song and right you know <laughs> it's hilarious he was great yeah so you have you have acts like that um like i said on thursdays we have the jazz night it's a art jazz wine and chocolate night uh, on Fridays, we have a program that's brand new this year called Step Into the Spotlight. Mm -hmm. And it's basically performers who have primarily been backup singers for names you would know like Michael Jackson or the Supremes or, I mean, you have these big name acts and the people we're showcasing have been their backup singers for years and years. So that's really neat. Um, and then on Sundays... We've started to do what's called a salute to the arts, and that changes every Sunday. So you might come in and it's uh, a dance group, or it's a music group, or it's there's a musical Shakespeare act that comes in. So there's a lot of fun stuff. That is so cool. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm telling you, last night that guy was drop dead. 
<laughs> Willie Nelson. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I was wondering if you noticed throughout, I mean, you've been there five years, um, and I don't know if you came to the festival as a kid or, you know, how long, what your history of just attending the festival is, but I'm always curious about whether the art kind of reflects the time. And uh, as you were saying, this, um, I've already forgotten her name, but she does the sustainable. Mariana Nelson. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, Just kind of whether the art uh, reflects what people, you know, reflects what is on people's minds, what things are, people are going through. I think it does more now um, than it has in the past. So when the festival started, it was just that little group in Laguna Beach. And the area that an artist could live to be in the show slowly expanded over time. In the 50s, it became more of a coastal show. So you had a lot of plain air painting, a lot of coastal scenes. Mm -hmm. And then um, as the years went on, it expanded a little more inland. So you would get more of... um, I don't know, you get more of the the canyon folk, for last, lack of better terms. Um, we have artists from Silverado Canyon and Tribuco Canyon um, that are more in the foothills and in the saddlebacks. And so they're just, if you drive into S- Silverado Canyon, that is a, it's like a different planet than if you're in Irvine. Right. Um, but that is reflected in the artwork. And last year we expanded into Santa Ana and then grew out to what now is just the the county so that's where we're staying is the county but you have these big art hubs that are next to the universities Mm -hmm. so when Irvine came in UCI definitely had an impact Um, now that we've expanded out there's a a feel from so that Chapman area a feel from Santa Ana and then just doing that and with the show becoming more diverse you get more diverse art because of it so you get more contemporary pieces so then there's things we have to look at like right now you jury into the show and you write down what medium you are well as the artwork becomes more contemporary that becomes harder to define um, which is definitely something we have to look at there's definitely those traditional artists using traditional mediums but now you have people coming in and they are doing their own thing and everything becomes mixed media because I have 12 different mediums in my art piece. Um, So we'll have people that were sculptors, and now they call themselves mixed-media artists or three-dimensional artists. Um, There's one, Andrew Myers, and he does screw art. He literally takes screws, puts them in a board, and then paints the screw heads. Um, And he has a very uh, quirky tongue-in-cheek style to him. And but he doesn't work just in screws. He tries, you know, various things. He had plastic cubes, and this year he has like driftwood um, that he's working with. So you'll have that, and then you'll have uh, Tim Shockley is another sculptor, and he has these tumbleweeds that are trapped in these cages, and just talking about you know the society as being you know going from the old west and that sort of lifestyle is now trapped away and hidden away and um he did a number of pieces where he took silk ties and he bronzed them talking about wall street and greed and going into these very heavy concepts um through his artwork but 
some people have the notion that these Laguna art festivals are very plain air and very Newport coast, you know, <laughs> right. um, but it, you, as you walk around, it is just art from everything you could imagine. Yeah. The one thing that I really appreciate about it is that the artists are challenged. Even if you're in it year after year, you can't have the same art year after year. And so some of the artists are really challenged to push themselves and not become complacent. And, you know, this sold for the last 10 years and I'm going to keep doing it. Right. So an artist can have the same signature piece two years in a row, but then that's it. If we see that that is still emerging at their booth, um, then I have a chat with them. But generally, having a juried art show uh, forces artists to get out of their comfort zone because they have to try something new or something different to stay current and to stay with what they're doing. Even our plain air artists are trying to find ways to how can they have a unique perspective on things? What's a different angle? Um, you know, what's a, a, a different way of looking at things? Yeah. I've been a longtime fan of uh, Robert Hansen and his photography. And now this year he's introducing, um, I don't know, he's blending uh, um, illuminated manuscripts in with his photography mm-hmm. and putting in some other um, religious sort of iconography in with the with the photographs. Right. I mean, it's a mixed media, right? So yeah. It's really wonderful. But uh, yeah, he um, he really looks at trying to look at his work and seeing where he wants to take it Um, he had a series um, going through Mexico and Baja California and working that way and so now he's just seems like he's expanding his horizons to try to look at other things he was literally was talking to him today about how he has this new drone that he's playing with which is I don't know if that'll end up in his professional work um or whether it'll end up in his fine artwork, but um, he seemed very excited about that. And so there's definitely things where you have technology uh, making a play, and we'll see how that affects the artwork as well. I mean, we didn't have drones until a couple years ago, (laughs) so now we'll see if that becomes a thing. I haven't had anyone submit their 3D printer art yet, but I'm waiting for it. I'm sure it'll happen soon. I should bring up Rick Graves in in response to that too, because he's got these long, really long, narrow pieces that are stop, stop motion. Right. I'll try my best to describe this. So Rick, um, Rick is in a category I call the art nerds. So Larry Marley's in that. Well, it's these guys who are very uh, both left and right brained, and Rick has made his own camera, and basically what the camera does is he takes photos of a sliver of space over time and it goes back to how they used to do like horse races the finish line camera so he has his camera and if he's if there's horses that are going across the finish line he sets his film speed and he has some math equations to help him with this but he sets his film speed to basically be at the same speed the horses are running and then He sets his camera on a 12-inch space at the finish line, and he moves the film through as the horses run through. So the film is moving with each horse. So that piece of film only films that 12-inch sliver of the horse going by. So you get these long images of all of these horses running, but all the horses are still, 
in the image. Um, so he has those images. He has images where he'll be driving in his car, and he'll set the film speed to match his car speed. Sees what happens there. There are some wave images where he's just taking a sliver of time on the beach and going across with his film that way. And so you have these, what looks like a 12-foot piece of beach is really a 1-foot piece of beach over time. Um, and when he does that, he doesn't know what he's going to get until he develops the whole film. So he gets some really unique and interesting thing. And he can talk your ear off about, well, what happens if somebody's running the opposite way of the film, and what does that do? Um, and he has some examples of that. It actually turns the person around, oddly enough, b- wow. because it matches with the film. So the person's walking to the right, the film goes to the left, and it spins that person around in the image there. I always said that he should put it in a round, you know, so that you could watch the... I mean, <laughs> yes. it is a film. I mean, it is a movie, right? Yeah. So you could actually watch it a as zoetrope. a movie. A zoetrope. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you for coming up with all the words that my brain just can't come up with. I can thank Disney for the zoetrope. (laughs) Um, I was once in charge of a program called the Youth Education Series, and we would teach kids about animation and California history, and um, that was one of our keywords, zoetrope. Zoetrope. I need need these words today. It's good for bananagrams, if you put that. (laughs) It is good, right. Um, there was another artist in there. Well, the other thing I wanted to say about Rick Graves is that, that these images are also illuminated. So you can buy them kind of lit up or you can buy them just, you know. He, yes, he is a lighting them. expert, really it seems. Cool. He yeah. has these LED light fixtures that he's matched with all of his paintings so that when you get the painting, it's always lit. Yeah, it's stunning. And I think he also allows you to give him the wall of your house and then he electronically shows you what the paint, what the picture is going to look like in his Yes. In your own house. Because you look at these and you're like, that's so cool, but there's no play. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to hang that. And he yeah. It's sort of like when you go to the paint store now, if you bring a picture of your house, they can, oh, here's your house in purple. But Rick can do it with, here's my artwork in your living room. Right. <laughs> Which is a valuable selling tool. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which sort of leads me to this question about fine art versus commercial art and whether, um, I don't know if the festival has a point of view about that or if most of your artists, it seems like they're making their living as an artist, so there's some commercial art aspect to it. But um, sort of the definition of fine art versus commercial art, mm-hmm. and if you guys have a point of view on that. So there is a balance that the artists have to have at these art shows. When an artist comes into the show... Um, They have two groups they're appealing to. One is they have our jury, which is looking at it strictly from a fine art standpoint. And then they have our patrons that are coming in. And sometimes those two don't match. You might have something that is um, of a high artistic value, but not necessarily something that you would want maybe in your living room. And we have had a number of artists over the years who will come in and they'll have amazing scores and not sell anything all summer and sometimes for the artists that they are fine with that and they're just glad to showcase their art and have their art out and viewable by the public and sometimes that doesn't sit so well Uh, you'll have some artists that they are living off of their artwork and that's all they're doing and that's sort of the art dream is you know oh i can live off of my painting or photography or sculpture or whatever it is And then there's a number of artists who have, you know, these regular, what I'll call nine to five jobs. um, And then they have their artwork as well. So um, 
the artists themselves have to have a balance with that. As far as the festival goes, our show only allows original artwork to be shown. So the artists, um, well, well, you have different groups. You have groups that can make multiple, what we would call multiple originals. So that would be photographers or printmakers. Um, or even sculptors who are casting in bronze. Mm -hmm. So you could have a piece that they've created, but they can reproduce it. So what we do with those artists is say, okay, there is a limit on a series that you show at the festival, and um, you're only allowed to have 200 of that series. So then you would have a photographer, and maybe they have a stunning image, um, but we have 200 in a series of that. Then as far as painters or others go, they're only allowed to show and sell their original piece. Um, So there is no prints or posters or G-clays of that sort. So that's sort of the stance with that. There are definitely design elements that might be considered more commercial than what some might consider fine art. Um... But that's up to our jury to decide as to how much they value that or weigh that into their consideration. What I generally tell our new artists is, because people will ask, and this will be their first show, and how do I sell this? What do I sell? And so basically my advice is take your work and see if you can have a range, a value range. So maybe you have smaller work and it's $150 or $200, and then you work your way up to something that might be a couple thousand dollars. And for a new artist, they're building their clientele, so their prices are going to be a little bit lower. Uh, We have some artists that have been in the show for 30-plus years, and they've gathered a following, and they have a commission list, and um, there are artists who will put up three paintings, and they're each $15,000 plus, and they will sell all three the first night, and then they're done. That's all they need to do. Um, I heard there was a live auction going on. Like somebody had a phone auction. Bo- I, don't I don't know about this. Oh, never mind. That's exciting. <laughs> that he had people on the phone and they were bidding and everything sold. Oh, wow. All yeah. right. Well, good for them. <laughs> I know. I was like, that's fantastic. Yeah. I was wondering how many of these artists, I mean, some of these people, there's somebody in there that's been in there for 50 years. Yes. Right? So Jackie Moffat, this is her 50th year exhibiting at the Festival that's of Art. Awesome. She's a watercolorist. Um when you come into the show, as you enter, she's in the first gallery. You can't miss her. She's on the left-hand side um, in a space I think is worthy of being in the show for 50 years. Um, but she has these beautiful landscape pieces, and um, her her work is some of the more traditional that we had. Um, but she has you know, proven the test of time, and... She has to go through the, she's been through our jury process 50 times and come out strong every time. So, That's great. yeah, so we have that. And then we have people that are brand, brand new and it's their first year. Can you be a kid and apply like, um, I mean, if you're just incredibly gifted, is there an age limit? You have to be 18. Okay. That's because I see some of these kids, and I'm like, that's just incredible. You would have no idea that you're a teenager. Yeah, we do have artwork in the junior art exhibit where I definitely have people that are like, oh, I think that's better than some of the stuff right. I've seen out there and, you know, with the adults. Okay. Um, and every year we have people come in, and they ask me, oh, well, can I buy that? Well, I, okay, let's call let's little call Billy's <laughs> mom, and <laughs> right? I don't know what you put a value on Crayola on, you know, 
paper, but we'll figure it out. Mixed media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also heard of one gal, Elizabeth McGee, who collects postcards from all over the place, and she found the same letter. Oh, okay. This is a crazy story. Yes. Yeah, so Elizabeth is um, sort of a genealogy nerd. And she'll go to swap meets and yard sales, and she will find people selling boxes of old photos of who knows what, stuff they found in the house, or these are great Aunt Gertrude's, I can't figure them out. So she'll take the photos, um, or she'll also take old postcards, and she will find basically who they belong to, um, who is who would be the next of kin basically, that um, would go with these photos. So she'll find these photos, and a lot of them have notes written on them, and she'll figure out who they were and what their genealogy is and if it connects to her in some way. And then she will reunite these photos with the family that they go to, which is really neat. So she has quite a collection that's been undiscovered um, as to who they belong to, but that's her quirky hobby. It's really cool. This year she's doing um, letter blocks. She has letter blocks. She has a series of um, Greek goddesses that she does, um, and I I believe she's her goal is to do 80 of them. Sorry, Elizabeth, if I'm wrong on that. But Ooh. she has all of these Greek goddesses, and she's basically taking um, the notion of the goddess and then painting them with people she knows or meets in everyday life and relates that back to uh, the Greek goddess of stories. Um, So she has that, but she also loves to paint what some might consider the mundane or the normal, and um, she creates these portraits of everyday objects. So this year she has portraits of letter blocks, uh, little wooden blocks, that she's put on her wall. And I've asked her what she's going to do when they start disappearing. Fortunately, everyone who's bought one so far has said to leave it there, but I'm sure some will start to walk away soon, and then we can have fun making words, I suppose. <laughs> It'll be like your refrigerator. You can make a poem. Yes. <laughs> the other, um, well, I should do a, a quick announcement that uh, I am here with Ron Morissette. He is the exhibit, the, is the um Exhibition director at the Laguna Beach Festival of Arts, and uh, this is Real People of Orange County on KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine. Um, I was talking to, I think it was Larry, who was doing the whimsical um, wood turning, and he said, I think it was him, that said that there's kind of a, a, a group of artists there who all work in different mediums that get together for breakfast a couple of, I mean, every Tuesday or something. Yes, they meet Tuesday at the Mission Viejo Mall. You can all raid them in the food court. Um, so uh, the original group is Larry Marley, Rachel Young, who's a sculptor and works in clay, and Ray Brown, who is a graphite pencil artist. So they meet every Tuesday to critique each other, just bounce ideas off each other. And their group has expanded. So I've seen photos of them at the mall, and they're basically just taking up the whole food court now with artists (laughs) um, that are meeting, and they'll bring work in and just talk to each other. And that started probably four or five years ago, um, where it was just the the new group of artists meeting up. What are we we getting into here? And then um, now they can give each other support and 
oh, you should try this or try this at your booth or have you considered doing this? Or they'll learn about different shows. Mm -hmm. So Ray does a lot of bird um, illustrations and drawings. And he's gotten a number of other artists to do these bird shows with them, even though they don't primarily do paintings of birds or sculptures of birds. He's like, oh, come with me. I go to Wisconsin and do this bird show. And now there's this whole group of Laguna artists going to Wisconsin and invading the bird show. But they are a good support group um, for each other since it's such a quirky job, I guess, career to say the least. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because Larry was saying, you know, if I just talk to other wood turners, they have all their own ideas about how it should go and they're kind of stuck in their own stuff. But if you get somebody in a completely different medium looking at your art, he said that's kind of what gave me permission to be so whimsical this year. And Yeah, you, you definitely, if you go to some other shows, uh, they are geared towards specific mediums. And then you'll see things that are repetitive or the same style over and over. And that's sort of what happens as they get caught in that rut. But if you have... Somebody who's a 3D artist talking to someone who's a 2D artist, then they can look at things a little bit differently. Yeah. I found that in our own situation. You know, I'm a writer. I don't know anything about art. I couldn't draw a stick figure. Uh, My husband's a photographer. I have a girlfriend who's a painter. And it's amazing when you're having discussions about art in general, even somebody who writes versus somebody who paints. The conversations are surprisingly similar of what you think about point of view and style and voice and right and then you also get um you get the stories and the backgrounds of things that you wouldn't even think about you know somebody has a painting and you're like oh well there's a painting of a beach and no that's not just that let me tell you all about you know what's happening in there right yeah right and i really encourage if you stop by the uh festival of arts this summer to talk to the artists about the i mean i've stared at some of these paintings or photographs for so long and I've missed so much. And then you, you talk to the artist and you realize, um, you know, the backstory, you realize how it was made and and it gives you such a deeper appreciation for what you're looking at. Right. So some people feel intimidated talking to the artist, but if you just ask them, you know, tell me how you thought about that or what's your process. Um, they love to just talk about what they love and what they're doing. Um, so definitely if you see something and you're curious, just, you know, go up and ask. You probably don't want to ask how long it took because the the answer is too long. Um, <laughs> and there's some artists. Uh, Gerald Schwartz is a painter. He deals with a lot of um, playing with the atmosphere in his paintings. But Gerald is a guy I'll go by and he'll have a painting. Uh, it's a night scene of a road. And then the next day I'll go by and all of a sudden there is now a carnival that is painted into that painting. And I'm like, J- Gerald, did you just add a carnival? In? Well, yeah, I thought it should go over there. And that's what he does. So for some of them, the process doesn't end until you buy it and take it home and, and stop the madness of that continuing. Till they knock on your door and they're like, you know what? Yeah, I need, need add a this. zebra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, um, a woman next to, uh, next to our booth who does uh, oil paintings. And yeah. you would never see hot pink in her. I mean, you just yeah. see like Chris a, Temple. She has a, yeah, it's very crazy. her trees have colors in it you didn't think trees had, but that one does. Or but it lights up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and bison and all, all sorts of. Uh, she's one of our. Um, she's in one of the canyons, Majeska Canyon. That's where she's at. Yeah. So she has a lot of these nature scenes and trees and things, um, but. Yeah. The colors that are in these paintings you would not expect to have. It's definitely not 
a, a traditional tree, to say the least. And apparently the canvas started out in one of these. You wouldn't see the, the whole canvas was hot pink. <laughs> and then she just built it up from there. I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, now this little tiny flicker of hot pink that you can it's see right there. up here is still there. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so much work. But good job. <laughs> well, if you can believe it, we're drawing down on our time. But I wanted to give you time to talk about funny stories. I hear there was a therapy lizard that tried to walk oh, in today. So any any stories every that day kind is of unique stick at around. The festival. Um, so much like most other venues and California and the planet, we allow service animals. Um, and my in-laws actually have raised puppies for canine companions for independence. So I'm a, a little versed on service animals and what service animals are. But there are people who try to... And are not. And are not. And there are people who try to exploit the service animals and buy capes and things online to get Binky the dog to come on in with them. But we allow service animals, which is um, required by the American with Disabilities Act. Uh, but we don't allow uh, therapy dogs or emotional support animals or therapy anything um, as they are not providing a service. So today uh, there was a service Gila monster, bearded dragon. I don't know. Um so the gentleman was claiming that it was a therapy bearded dragon, and I, <laughs> I, I had never seen that before. That was new for me. And so they asked him what service the dra dragon provided, and he could not give one, so um, the dragon had to go. Um, so we have that. There are Laguna is full of quirky people. It is a very unique community because you have this artist colony, um, that has turned into prime real estate. So you have a mix of people who have been handed down the homes from generation past and are still artists. And then you have people who bought their fifth mansion and they are in there, you know, two months out of the year and that's mm -hmm. it. So you get this, this large variety of individuals that are in town. Um, once upon a well, there's still a greeter, but there. Once upon a time, the the most famous Laguna greeter was Eiler Larson, and he would um, stand and wave to all the cars coming into Laguna. And there is still a Laguna greeter. His name is Michael, and he's on PCH, and he is spinning and dancing and waving. Um, there is a woman known as the Umbrella Lady who roams around Laguna with her umbrella, also waving to people. Um, but we'll have different quirky folk come into the festival as well um dancing in various states of dress and sometimes that has to be handled by our security team um for the most part uh, people are fairly tame and our new grounds uh, everyone keeps saying how classy it feels and it's sort of up to the feeling of how people act and respond although mm -hmm. at our opening party we did have three uh three ladies at three separate times climbing our trees so we had to um, pull them down which was a little bit different i don't claiming your trees they're climbing, climbing up the oh, trees climbing yes. the trees oh jeez so i don't know what <laughs> what led them to climb up the trees but they felt like the tree needed to be climbed they were called they were called to, called climb, to the climb the trees the tree. yeah <laughs> it's funny i got into this huge facebook argument with this woman who did not I don't know. She didn't like the new design. I think a lot of people feel very change wistful. Is hard. Yeah, change is hard, and people are very, yeah, especially Laguna people are very attached to history and how things have always been. And God forbid something should change. But anyway, yeah, no, that's very all the change, especially in Laguna, is difficult. Um, there is a 
large civic force in Laguna that is very vocal. Um, and they're very involved in their city council and their community. So the, at some point, I, I imagine it still happens, the city sends out text message alerts, which most people use for, oh, there's an accident in the canyon or PCH. But they had to make one for any time they were going to remove a tree because so many people would protest the removal of a tree. So they'd have to explain, well, the tree is going to fall on people or the roots are dying or whatever. But people are very involved in, in the town, which is good and crazy at the same moment. And exhausting. Yes. Yeah. Our smoking ban is, is just causing... That's new, yes. That's I'm wait- All right, I'm going to give away the big entrepreneurial thing that no one has done yet, but I want credit. Okay. Is somebody is going to figure out they can bring their RV into town and make the smoking RV and just charge money to come smoke in their RV. But That's no, brilliant. No one's done it yet. So I don't own an RV. you can even smoke in your car with your window down. You now. can smoke in your car. Oh, but you have to keep your window up, right? Um, I No, I don't think oh, so, you don't but I don't know. Them. But you can only smoke in your car. That's it. You can't smoke. <laughs> People ask where they can smoke. We point to Dana Point or Irvine or Newport, which are the closest places they can go. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's no smoking. You can smoke in a private residence or in your car. And, that's and, that's and that includes e-cigarettes and vaping and all of those things as well. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all in. Yeah. <laughs> that is all the time we have for today. It went too fast. Anything else that I should have mentioned we didn't mention? I should mention the pageant of the Masters. Um, oh, yeah, you should. Well, yes, we should. Yes, so you okay. can go to pageanttickets.com if you want to see it. This year's theme is the Grand Tour, and it's very exciting. Um, there are 56 performances, and uh, one fun fact is we have over 1,200 volunteers that help put oh. on the show. So it is a testimony to Laguna and our volunteers, and we have generations of families volunteering their time to help put on that production but it is very unique and you can't see it anywhere else so i would encourage everyone to come check it out that is very cool and i'll put in a little plug for my um daughter is in a petite cirque group and they are performing this sunday i think at twelve forty-five and 2 um so you can check them out family fun day looks like an all-day thing of fun it starts at 10 did you say so we have uh we open at 10 and we have our junior art reception at 11 and then our family art day um, basic, the, the main part of it is, is it starts noon to three, but we'll have stuff going all day. All day. So check that out. And is that any discounted price or it's just same, right, same, same, same entry fee, but the, um, weekdays is $8 weekends, which that'll be is $12 and then children under 12 are free. So family art day is perfect for that. Also, uh, military and Laguna residents get in for free every day as well. Fantastic. That's all the time we have for today. We will be right back here with you next Thursday evening at 4 o'clock. Until next time, thanks so much for joining us. Check out the Festival of the Arts this summer, Pageant of the Masters. Uh, It is all new. You will not recognize it from last year. And um, Ron Morissette, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. Have a great night.